As I was praying about what to uh, share with the teachers this morning, I, I led prayer for teachers prayer here in the school. Uh, uh, the Lord led me to the scripture and I shared a portion of it with them. Um, but as I was reading and continued on, he just continued to, uh, to show me some more things and continued on. So I um, started this morning and we're going to finish it tonight. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, I'm reading out the New Living Translation, says this. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time in your word. We thank you again for your wonderful presence, for Lord, the prayers uh, in faith that I believe are answered here tonight, Lord God. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you help us as we continue to get into your word, that you open up our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our ears, our, our eyes to see, to know you, uh, Lord God, even more. We know your word is so full of treasures and, and so full of wealth, Lord God, that, that has the ability to change our lives. Lord, give us the grace as we hear it, not only to, to hear it and receive it, but Lord, would you impart in us tonight to apply it to our lives each and every day. Holy Spirit, help me uh, as I present your word to present it clearly and inaccurately, and I, I pray that you just continue to fill and flood your people in a great and mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In these couple of verses, the rod of Hebrews encourages, encourages us that God will not forget the good things that we do. Amen. Isn't that good news? That he will not forget. I, and he, he says that God is not unjust. And I think uh, he encourages us that God is, is a, a just God and, and will not forget the good things we do. Uh, as I was meditating on this today, I believe that he does that because we as humans have the ability to forget the good things that people do. Right? Let me give you an example. If somebody does some bad to you or maybe hurts you or, or does something really to offend you maybe over and over again, we have this ability through and, not, and, and it, it's, it gets hard through, since we get hurt, we maybe get wounded. We, we have a, you know, we're looking through glasses of maybe pain, of rejection, of whatever it may be, that we forget all the good a person did and just look at the wrong that they're doing right now. But thankfully, God is not unjust. He says that he will remember, he will not forget all the good that we do. Even though we do that sometimes, God is not like that. He remembers. He also encourages us, the rod of Hebrews in this, in this scripture of passage, this passage of scripture, he says, he encourages us to keep loving others and working hard for the Lord so we won't become dull or indifferent. Or he says dull and indifferent. And for a minute, I want to look at these couple of words. Because these are two words that should never be used to describe the disciple of Christ. Being dull or indifferent should never be used to describe a disciple of Christ. So let's look at these two words. The first word, look at dull real quick. I, I, I looked at, there's a bunch of definitions for this word. But as I was looking through the dictionaries, looking through the, the, the Webster, Noah Webster's dictionary, one of the definitions was dim obscure, not vivid, as a dull light. So I begin to think about this. If we become dull as Christians, 
Jesus said that you are the light of the world. So if we allow ourselves to become dull, then what does that mean? Our light's not shining brightly for the world to see, right? It's petering out, right? Like when you have a flashlight or especially like when you have, I just thought about as Blair sitting here, my brother-in-law, we've, we've been, uh, uh, you know, going in the, the Chafalai Basin early in the morning to go make a duck hunt and have been in his boat and he has this big headlight and it's pitch black. We don't know where we're going and that thing had a shard in it and so we're going, he's like, man, hold the light and it goes out and it gets black. That's not a good thing, right? When you're trying to shine a light and it's black and it's cold and you don't know what's coming up, it's not a good thing. How much more us being a light to give people spiritual direction? If our light has a shard in it or just gets dull and even just weakened, even if that light didn't even cut off but gets weaker, the lower the beam, the more dangerous things get and you can't see ahead of you. Same way with us. That's why we never want to become dull or indifferent. Another word for dull is blunt. Like a lot of us know, we, probably the first thing you thought about, as in with a sword, an axe, or a knife. Everybody knows how much harder it is to work with a dull knife, right? Even whether it be, you know, you outdoorsmen or you wives, anybody that cooks, right? It's not good when you're trying to chop something up or you're trying to, you know, clean an animal after a hunt or clean some fish. It's a lot harder to work with a dull knife. Matter of fact, I just got blessed with a handmade uh, a knife that my father-in-law gave me for Christmas, and I just started using it. And I tell you what, it's so much nicer to use a sharp knife to get the work done, right? He said the Lord will not forget all the hard work that you do. Well, guess what? If we become dull, the work gets harder, and we're not as effective. Just as a sharp knife is not as effective. Amen? The second word is indifferent. He says, so you don't become dull or indifferent. We don't want to become indifferent. Indifferent means to do your own thing. You see, it, indifferent is not necessarily not doing, you know, you know, not necessarily doing badly, but not doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's what indifferent means. It's just like, oh, whatever. I mean, that's, you know, it's not necessarily sin. It's not necessarily doing bad, but you just, you know, you're indifferent. You don't really care and you're not where you're supposed to be. That's what it means to be indifferent. And as we talked about two weeks ago about staying pure so the Lord could use us for every good work. If the Lord's ready to use you for some great work and you're indifferent and you don't care, you're out of position, right? Just like in sports, if, if, if they're running a play, whether it be in football or in basketball, and one person is out of position, that play is not going to go as planned. It's going to be disastrous, right? The same thing with us. You know, one of the biggest uh, things about being indifferent is that we become complacent and comfortable. One of the biggest temptations we can face is getting comfortable and complacent. We've all heard, if you've been in church a long time, we've all heard the term, you know, God wants to get you out of your comfort zone, right? He wants to get you out of your comfort zone because what happens is when we become indifferent, we become just, you know, complacent. We get comfortable and, and you know what, from there, once again, it, it might not be wrong, you might not be sinning, but the more comfortable you get, you know, the less effective you are. And just from that, just being comfortable, it not, might not be sin, eventually it will lead to further problems. Yet you ever had like a time where you, um, you know, you, I don't know, maybe you've watched a few hours of TV or whatnot, and just after a while, you just like, you just kind of got like, I don't know, just kind of like a yuck feeling. After just been sitting there watching TV or for you guys this time of year, you come home from church and maybe you watch like two whole football games and like six hours later, you're like, man, where did the afternoon go? You know, 
And you just, you were comfortable in your chair, you were eating. Once again, it's not sin. Football is not sin. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen? Watching football is not sin, right? Come on, Jim, help a brother out. Amen. All right, thank you. I know we got a football fan here. So, you know, but after a while, you get comfortable, kind of complacent. You know, you could probably be doing something more productive. So he says, be careful that we do these things so we don't become dull or indifferent. So tonight, I want to show you how we need to move from being dull and indifferent to faith and endurance. And so the name of the message tonight is dull and indifferent verse faith and endurance. Because again, he says we need to follow the example of those that had faith and endurance and claimed an inheritance. So I just want to give you three ways tonight, three ways that we can move from, from that state, that, that status, that area, that season, if you're there or if you're not, it's, it's easier to fall into that, into faith and endurance. The number one way is we need to stay locked in. We need to stay locked in. What do I mean by that? comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. If you have a Bible or your, your, your iPad or something, that's the, that's the first I want you to see. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. I want you to underline that, highlight it, make a note of that. The champion, initiator that perfects our faith. Some say, uh, that, some say the, uh, that, uh, uh, the, 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 the one that originates and, and, and finishes our faith. Because the, of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. The phrase keeping our eyes on Jesus, or some translations say looking unto Jesus, that phrase in Greek signifies an undivided attention. It's looking away from all other distractions in order to fix one's gaze on an object, right? That's what it means to keep your eyes. It's, it means to get locked in, to get locked on to Jesus, to not be distracted by anything else. Remember in Hebrews 6, 12, it says, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance, right? That's the antidote. The antidote to being dull and indifferent is a commitment to be locked in to Jesus, to be honed in, to fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt there are many men and women of God that have gone before us, that have, that have, that have walked the earth, that are still walking the earth, that are in this very church, that are examples that we can learn from. Again, as like Pastor, uh, Pastor Francis and Ms. Bass, Pastor Todd and Tanya, Brother Francis Bork, some of the elders, the people that have been serving for years and years and years that have gone before. Brother Brad's sons that went on to be with the Lord a couple years ago. Mighty men and women of God that either are still here or that have gone on to be with Jesus. We can learn. We, the, you know, uh, Paul said to follow me as I follow Christ. That word actually I was studying and, and right here too it says to follow their example. That word actually means to, to uh, 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 to imitate them as like an actor. 
That's what that word means. It means to, to you know, I don't know if you ever heard, I've watched some actors say that, like these professional actors, that big movie stars, what these guys do is they, they learn, and it could be someone that's dead. They learn about that person, how that person dressed, how they talk, how they act, like how they walk. Matter of fact, they get so in character that their own personal identity becomes like the person that they're acting like. Matter of fact, I heard one actor said that after he finishes a movie of a character, he's so entrenched in that person, it takes him a few months to come out of that character. But you know what? That's the same picture that Paul gives here when, we're, when we look into examples to men and women of God. But after saying all that, and so that's the picture that Paul gives here. It's the same word. That's the picture he gives. But after saying all that, we know that Jesus is the extreme, supreme example of faithful endurance. Amen? He's put men and God uh, in our men and women of God in our lives to be examples that we can, we can follow. But we see through the scripture, that's why it says fixing our eyes on Jesus. He is the ex- ex- supreme example of faithful endurance. Our endurance in the Christian life will depend on our keeping our eyes on Jesus. This means staying focused on him and his work on our behalf. Amen. Just as we sang. I didn't know they were going to sing that song tonight. But just as he said, you have won the victory. That's what helps us to have endurance in this Christian life. In this Christian race. is by fixing our eyes. Saying, you know what? We know Jesus already won the victory. We know that we can fix our eyes on him. And he won the victory. He's going to give us the grace. He's going to give us the strength to endure. You see, every time in, in, in the Greco-Roman literature, every time they used the word uh, to run or run a race, it was talking about an, an example of having endurance in life. And as I was thinking about this, you know, I got a phone call today. And we have two guests with us. Um, and so Gabby and, and Jill are here with us tonight. And Jill is actually traveling. She's, on, she's riding a bike from coast to coast, right? From Florida, she started in Florida, and she's going all the way to California. That takes endurance right there, right? Come on, give it up for Jill. That, isn't that a blessing? You know, they, they called and they were looking for a church to come to. And Gabby, her friend Gabby's actually, uh, you know, just documenting it as she goes. And so, Jill, that's going to take some endurance, right? I'm sure you've already had to tap into some endurance on, on some of these days, right? How long have you been on the road now? Two weeks tomorrow. Wow. I would, get, I would need endurance just to drive for two weeks. More or less ride a bike, amen? And so that's awesome. So good to have y'all. We're glad that y'all are with us. But it's true. You see the parallel with what with, with the writer of Hebrews was talking about, running the race. Whether you're running, whether you're riding a bike, you know, we need endurance to do anything physical for a long time. We need endurance. Because remember, this walk, this race, this life we live in is not a sprint, y'all. It's a marathon, Right? Marathon runners need endurance. People that ride bikes across the country need endurance. It's not a sprint. You know, you can't just run through and, and, and go real fast. You'll peter out. And spiritually, we've all seen people that have done that, right? They start off fast, hard, pray eight hours a day, read 13 chapters of the Bible a day, and then two months later, you can't find them anywhere, right? There's nothing wrong with that. If you're seeking the Lord hard, that's awesome. But we need endurance. Remember, the antidote to being dull and, and, and indifferent is, is, is keeping our eyes locked on Jesus because he's the one that perfects our faith, that initiates our faith. And that's what it says in verse 2. Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. See, Jesus has accomplished everything necessary for faith under the new covenant to be reality. What does that mean? That means he is the source of our faith. He sustains our faith. And his word increases our faith. Amen? 
He's the source of it. The Bible says he gives us a measure of faith. He sustains us. And the Bible also says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what increases. I've heard Brother Francis say that many times. I've been wrong. I've talked about ways to increase your faith. Brother Francis, the founder, we, we have a Pope Francis too right here in Lafayette, Louisiana, right? Right here at Family Life Church. And so, and he said that, you know, the Bible makes it clear the way you increase your faith it's through the word of God. He said you can increase your confidence by like, by, you know, uh, your faith can get stirred up. But, but like Neil getting miraculously healed, that increases your confidence that God can do what he said he can do, right? Now, he enacted faith believing that he was going to get healed. Now that he's healed, that increases confidence. But the way we increase faith is through the word of God. So if you're lacking in faith, I encourage you to get into the word. Last, uh, last Wednesday, I was up te- upstairs teaching the grow class. They're up there right now in the love class. Pastor Kelly's teaching it. And we talked about the word of God. Speaking of uh, uh, Pastor Brad, he used to always say that about hearing, hearing God's voice, that the volume button to hear God's voice is his word. Well, the same thing. The, the, the meter or in, 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 in essence, the way that you tap into more faith, the pump, so to speak, that you're filling up with is the word of God. If you need more faith, get in the word more. Amen. So as you stay locked into Jesus, faith and endurance will come and will increase. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Lock into him. Amen? It's hard to be locked into the Lord and begin to get dull or to get indifferent. Amen? Number two. Number one, we stay locked in. Number two, we need to stay connected. We need to stay connected. Hebrews 10.25 says this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage and warn each other. Encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's easy to see why this command was given in the Bible. And let me encourage you. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. People say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, technically you're right, but you're being a disobedient Christian if you don't go to church. Because the Bible makes it very clear. It says, do not neglect. You're, you're neglecting a major part of your Christian walk. Church is not the all in all. I know that. I understand that. That's why we always encourage y'all to get into God's presence daily, get into his word, to pray, to worship, to do these things. Church is one part of it, but it's a big part of it. The Bible makes it clear not to neglect meeting together as some do. And it's easy to see why. When people stop connecting to the local church, it's not long after that that they become dull and indifferent. I have seen it, guys, time and time again. Not just since I've been a pastor, but since I've gotten saved. Over 13 years now, I've seen it throughout my walk. And, 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 and you know, people, they, they, they get disconnected from the church, from the body of Christ. I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church worldwide, the body of Christ. And it doesn't take long where they begin to fall off. I've seen people get complacent. I've seen people fall away from the Lord. I've seen couples get divorced, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and even though they're trying to say it's not, I had a, I had a man uh, that, that him and his wife are going through a divorce. This was years ago. I called him just to see how I was doing. The Lord had put him on my heart. And he started kind of giving me the history again. And it's funny, I didn't say anything. And maybe he said this because he knew I was still on staff here. But quickly he said, you know, I just felt like the Lord told me to, you know, take my family out of church and I need to focus on them. But, you know, but that's not why, you know, where we, we at, where we at. And I was like, it is where you at, where you at. Because first of all, the Lord's not going to tell you to do anything that's contrary to his word. 
The Bible says not to neglect meeting together, not to forsake the assembly of the saints. God's not ever, this is just a side note. God will never tell you to do something contrary to his word. Amen. Amen? And then you can see the fruit of it. And obviously he was convicted or he knew maybe I was, he thought I was going to go there. But you can see it. You so easily see it. And why is that? One of the main reasons that this, is, that this happens is because when you're not connected, you're not accountable. When you're not connected, you're not accountable. It's easy to get indifferent and have your own thoughts and your own behavior and your own, you know, doing what you want to do because there's nobody there to hold you accountable. Remember what, I, what it says in, in Hebrews 10.25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other. Listen, we need to encourage each other. People have the gift of encouragement. We need to be encouraged. But the Bible makes it clear that the reason we come together is to encourage one another and to warn one another. Every one of us needs someone in our life to warn us when we're starting to drift on down the wrong path. When we start doing the wrong things, saying the wrong things, believing the wrong things. We see it all through the New Testament as Paul's planted churches. Then he went back to, to check on all these churches that he planted. He'd go back and he'd find some off doctrine. Y'all saying that, that the resurrection of the dead already came. What are y'all doing? And he would correct their doctrine. He would, he would you know, y'all saying that, that the new believers got to be circumcised. No, that's not the gospel. And he would continue to warn them and correct them, get them back on track. This is the gospel, okay? That's what we need. That's why when you get disconnected, you lose accountability, and typically that's whenever you start getting dull, you start getting indifferent, and even further, and then people start turning on the church. I, I, I'm going to just say this. I didn't, I didn't plan to go there, but Pastor Todd has said this, so, you know, I'm going to follow in my daddy's footsteps. I would be careful when you talk about the church. You got to remember the church is his bride. I tell you what, I try to be as Christ-like as I can. But if somebody messes with my bride, I'm going to need Jesus and they're going to need Jesus. Right? So be careful when you're talking about the church, when you turn on the church, when you start criticizing the church. I understand we make mistakes. I'll be the first to say we're not perfect. And I apologize personally for anything I've ever done to offend you, to, to mess up. I know I make mistakes. I'm sorry. The church is full of imperfect people. But the church is his bride, so be careful. That's another sign when you start. You can still be sitting in church, but have a little art towards the church and have get, you know, dull and you get indifferent. You know what? Even though that knife might be dull, it can still cut people. Amen? So be careful with that. We need to have that accountability. Indifference leads to destruction. Let me say that again. When people get disconnected, they get indifferent and indifference leads to destruction. As I just said, I've seen it time and time again. It's good to see y'all here tonight. I know most, if not everybody in here is connected to the body, to the local church, to this church. I know I've, I meet visitors sometimes that may come on Wednesdays and you maybe have another church and they don't have a midweek service, so you're here. And that's great. If you're not connected here, be connected somewhere. If you are connected, and this is your home church, you come here on Wednesdays and Sundays, and you're not connected to a life group, I want you to take it a step further and get connected in a life group. Amen. You can go to the info center uh, after service and pick up a, a life group booklet. You can go to our website, flchurch.net, click on the life group tab, and you can see all the life groups we have to offer for, um, for men, for women, for couples, married, for singles, for young adults, college age, high school, junior high. We have life groups for, for, for every age. Amen. Get connected. Get accountable. Stay connected. This will help you 
Because, you know, it's cool using that, using that, the illustration of a dull knife. What does Proverbs say? It's one of my wife's favorite scriptures. Iron sharpens iron. When you get dull, you have a brother or sister to come alongside of you and begin to sharpen you. Amen? Come on, that's a good word right there. Amen. Like somebody said, that's the best preaching I heard in a while. I'm not saying that somebody else said that, so I don't want you to think I'm, like, bragging on myself or anything. Okay, moving on. Number three. Number three. Number one, we need to stay locked in. Number two, we need to stay connected. And number three, we need to keep on serving and loving others. We need to keep on serving and loving others. And this is a, this is a big one. This is a crucial one. This is, I, think, I think some people miss this. I've missed this early, and I'm going to share a little bit about how God showed me early on in my walk how this works. Hebrews 6, 10, and 11, what we read earlier, for God is not unjust. Listen, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for others. I'll stop right there. That's awesome. When we care for other people, we're truly showing that we love the Lord. You can say, man, I love God, I love God. But when you care for other believers and you serve them and you're working, that's how you show that you love the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he commands us to care for for everyone, to take care of the least of these, right? As you still do. Our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts. You know, there's just something about serving that keeps your fire burning. There's something about when you're serving the Lord, when you're serving the church, when you're serving outside the church, when you're, when you're doing something to, to serve other people, to help other people that brings glory to God. There's something about that that just stokes your fire and keeps your fire burning. Why is that? Well, I believe it's found in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, I'm not going to read all the verses because it's spread out, but I encourage you to write that down and go check it out later. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches on prayer fasting, and giving. I think actually the order is giving, praying, and fasting. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Go look at it later. Go check it out. You know, Jesus expects that as disciples, we're going to do all three of these, right? Well, check out this verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12. This is the New King James. It says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. You know, Jensen Franklin calls giving, praying, and fasting the Christian threefold cord. If you ever, some of y'all have read Jensen Franklin's book on fasting, and he talks about this in that book. He talks about how this is the threefold cord. It's not easily broken. We are wired to give, to pray, and to fast. And when I'm talking about giving, I, I, I'm not talking about right now, I'm not talking about giving your money. That's part of it is giving finances, tithes, offerings, and all that. But right now, as I'm talking about serving, I'm talking about giving of yourself and giving of your time to serve others. Because sometimes it's easier to drop money in the bucket than it is to actually go serve, Right? Especially in our society, fast-paced society, we got things to do, places to go. Man, my time is valuable. It's easier to drop money in that box back there than it is to actually stop, take the time to help somebody. And I know you can help people with your finances, and that's great. We need to do that too. But think about that. When you pray, when you fast, and when you give, when you give of yourself, when you empty yourself, when you become the hands and the feet of Jesus, it stokes a fire in you. You know, it might be that you need to serve somewhere in the church. And listen, we have plenty of teams to serve on. If you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Todd, or it was like two weeks in a row, Pastor Todd brought up, um, or maybe just one week, he brought up all the, the, um, 
different serve teams that they have, like lobby hosts, ushers. There's all kind of different. I mean, there's the children's ministry. There's the, the senior high, junior high, all these different ministries uh, that we have. Helping hands, Amanda Granger's in here to help feed the homeless and move people and do different things outside of the church. They go to, they'll still go to St. Joseph's Diner, right? And feed, no? Okay, I know they, they did that before, but they do a lot of things. I know they feed the homeless and they just, you know, ride around and they do a lot of great things off campus. There's all kind of avenues to serve. If you're not serving someone, when we have events like the men's fish fry or, or like the, the anniversary service, big events like that, men's wild game cookout, I want to thank every single man that, that served, that cooked, that helped. I mean, Brother Neil, again, I'm just going I'm to I'm just continue to honor Brother Neil tonight. Every year, I mean, he is such a vital part of that thing, and he, he never comes in the sanctuary. He helps us Thursday, Friday, brings his own four-wheeler side-by-side with the trailer, helps us th- set up Thursday, Friday. We eat outside. He's walking around. He's eating, changing trash bags and doing that. When all the men come inside and we give away all these awesome prizes and preach the gospel, Neil never comes inside. Right when we come in, he starts breaking down outside. And it's such a vital point. He's like, man, this is what I'm called to do. He said, I know this is my calling. He knows where his place is. He loves it. I, if, if, if I called him and told him he couldn't do it next year, he'd probably be mad at me, right? That's, he loves doing it. He really does. I mean, that's his, that's his niche. And I know a lot of you in here do serve. But I just want to encourage you. There might be a few sprinkled in here that you don't. You don't have somewhere maybe in the church that you serve. And I want to encourage you to find a place to serve. Find a place to get involved and help. Again, you can go to the Info Center. You can go to our website. You can check out what is it, you know, that you like to do. What is it some, some, that you're gifted, that you feel maybe you love kids. Can you rock a baby in, in, in the nursery loving some kids? You know, maybe you, you like teenagers, junior high. You like to work with them and pour into them. Maybe you want to help. Lobby host. We're going to need more help as this new building opens. We're going to have more things that we need done. More, you know, more uh, uh, people serving on the serve team. I want to encourage you. There's something about that. It also may be that you need to be willing and ready for the Lord to use you throughout the day. Again, remember two weeks ago, I talked about it. For those of y'all that was here, two weeks ago, I talked about staying pure. And the Bible says that if we stay pure, if we keep ourselves pure, we'll be ready for the master to do every good work. You know, serving is not just, part of it is signing up, getting on a team here at church. But serving is throughout your daily life. Having a mindset to serve people throughout your day, no matter where you're at, right? And to be ready and to be open to what the Lord is saying and telling you to do at a certain time. Some of y'all have heard this story. The Lord taught me this early on in my walk. Some of y'all have heard this story, so if you've heard it before, forgive me. But the Lord taught me this early on. Not too long after I got saved. I know I wasn't even on staff here yet. Um, you know, I, me, my, my, my wife and I wasn't even married yet. I got in a place where, like, man, I got saved. I was on fire. I was rocking and rolling. I was, you know, here every time the church was open, reading my Bible, praying, doing everything. It was just the Lord had lit me up. But, you know, I fell into this where I kind of felt dull. I kind of felt dry. Like there was something, you know, like that, that I needed more. Like the Lord, I don't know, cut something off. And so I was doing everything I knew to do. I prayed more. I read more. I worshiped. I kept coming to church. I, I think I might even fast. And it was just like, God, what's going on? Like, what, why do I feel dry? Why do I feel dull? I don't, I, I repented of every sin that I knew might have been in my life. Like, Lord, if there's sin in my life that's cutting off the, the, the fountain of blessing, whatever it is, Lord, show me. And it just like everything I tried, nothing worked. I'll never forget one Sunday morning, I'm sitting in, in my chair before church, reading my Bible, and I get a knock on my door. 
And it was the guy, one of my best friends, still my best friend to this day that I was working for. He knocks on my door on a Sunday morning, unannounced, didn't call me or anything. I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? What's happening? And I could tell all over his face something was wrong. He walks into my house, and he just starts crying. And him and his girlfriend that he wanted to marry had just broken up. And he was, he was in a bind. And he, you know, to backtrack, when I first got saved, me and this guy used to party together, used to, you know, run the streets together, do all kind of stuff. And, and when I first got saved, man, he was one that, you know, he, he persecuted me hard. I, would, I worked for the guy. I would ride with him. I'd work with him hands on a lot of days. And, man, he would tell me all kind of stuff that religion's for weak-minded people and, and you know, just uh, all kind of stuff. Just continue. Are you giving all your money to that church and all that kind of stuff? But it was amazing. I'd try to witness to him. I ain't trying to hear that, whatever. I'd try to tell him about the love of the Lord. But that morning, he knocked on my door. He comes sit down on my couch, and he's bawling, crying. He's like, man, I don't know what to do. So he was all ears then. It was a blessing. I just began to minister to him. I began to just tell him about, you know, God's love and how, you know, I knew it would be hard. It would, it would take a while to get through this. But, you know, that, that man, the Lord loves you. He wants to help you. I gave him a Bible. And, and you know, we talked for a little while. I prayed with him. And he, and he left. And I tell you what, when he left, I was so fired up. I tell you what, that lit a fire under me that I hadn't felt in months. And what was it? It was serving. That's what, was, that, that's what the block was. I was like, Lord, do something, do something. Me, 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 feed me, do me. No. I, I was at a point where I was full. He was saying, you need to pour out, right? You need to serve. You need to show somebody my love. And that's, that's what happened that morning. And, man, I tell you what, that's, that's what sharpened me that morning. That's what got me going was being willing and available to allow the Lord to use me in that moment. And it's a cool story, actually. He ends up getting saved and marrying uh, that girl that they broke up, and I actually got to marry him. It was the first wedding that I ever did. So that ended up being a really cool uh, story. I'm still good friends with him to this day. I actually talked to him last week, uh, and so they, they moved and they, they live out of town. So it's, it's truly a blessing. So in closing, let me say this. You know, as we talk about, you know, not getting to a place where you're dull or indifferent. Maybe some of you here tonight you might be in that place. Maybe you've been in that place a little while. Maybe you say, Brandon, I just, it's like you, I just kind of slipped into it and I don't know what's going on. I want to encourage you. Lock in. Lock in to Jesus. Focus on him. Look to him. You might be distracted by different things, work, lack of work, you know, maybe, you know, sickness, maybe, you know, things going on around you. I know how hard that is. My mom had a surgery, a hip replacement surgery on Monday. My daughter broke her wrist on Saturday and had a surgery to repair her wrist and put two pins. Thank you all, by the way, all y'all that prayed for her. I know Pastor Todd mentioned it in the second service. She's doing better. So thank you all. I understand how things happen like that. And you have a crazy day, a crazy week, a crazy month, a crazy year, seasons, and things get distracting and throw you. Listen, focus on Jesus. Lock on to Jesus. Look to him through his word. Get in his presence. Get connected. Or if you are, stay connected. If, you, if you're not connected to a life group, you may be coming to church. You're not connected. That's the next level. You get into a smaller setting where you, um, you, know, you get that, that fellowship, that encouragement, and also that correction, that warning that we need. Amen? And then start serving somewhere. If you're not, I want to encourage you to start serving. Get on a serve team somewhere here in church and be open, be willing, and be available for the Lord to help you. Now, you might be feeling indifferent tonight about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, about maybe everything that I said tonight. And maybe that's because you don't really know the Lord or haven't trusted in him or you're not in a relationship with him. 
Matter of fact, before I finish, why don't you stand up with me as we close? I'm going to read one more scripture as you stand to your feet. So maybe you've been spiritually indifferent because you've maybe come to church, like I talked about earlier. Maybe you've been kicking the tires or whatnot, but you're still kind of indifferent. You're still kind of like, oh, whatever, man, I'm doing my own thing. And, and you know, I like to pop in church once in a while and all that. And, you know, Jesus is a cool guy, but you haven't made him your master, your Lord and Savior. Listen to what Hebrews 12.2 says. I, I read it earlier, but I want to read just verse 2 again. It says this. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Crucifixion was the most shameful form of execution, meant to humiliate and torture the person being crucified. It was only for slaves and criminals and Jesus took that shame and humiliation and torture for me and for you. Why don't you all bow with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed as we pray. Maybe you say, you know what, Brandon, I've been, I've been indifferent because, you know, I've never, I've never received the Lord Jesus and made him my personal Lord and Savior. I, maybe you never knew that he took, he took your shame, your torment, the torture that was only meant for slaves and criminals we all broke God's law we were all criminals yet Jesus went to the cross took that shame humiliation and the penalty for a sinner as a perfect spotless man he took the penalty for us with every head bowed and every eye closed if you say you know what Brandon I, I'm, I'm I've never I've never truly surrendered my life to Christ I've never asked God to forgive me I never received the free gift of salvation for the joy that was set before him the joy awaiting him you know what that joy was who that joy was that joy is you he took all that torture all that beating all that punishment because you were the joy awaiting him so he can be with you so he can have you so he can spend eternity with you if you say Brandon I'm not sure I'm right with Christ I'm not sure if I would spend eternity with the Lord. If tonight's my last night on earth, I don't know, man. I'm not sure where I'm going, but I want to make sure. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand, and I want to pray for you. If that's you, I, I never want to leave. I see you back there. Anyone else? Anybody else? I see your hand right here in the middle. Young man, anyone else? Thank you, Lord. I see your hand in the back. Another hand up in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For those of y'all with your hands up, as you just read, that's the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for your sins because he loves you so much. Now the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Those of you with your hands up, if you believe that, I want you to pray this prayer out loud and we're all going to join you as a church. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I'm sorry for breaking your laws, for offending you. But now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to save me. I make you my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. I give you my all. Now, Lord Jesus, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. Give me the endurance and the faith that I need to receive the promise of the inheritance of eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, for those of you that raised your hands and for all of us, listen, this verse also says that through endurance, Jesus reached the place of ultimate honor at God's right hand. So through Jesus, we can have the faith and endurance to reach our place in heaven as well. Amen. Stay locked in, stay connected, keep loving and serving others. Hey, for those of you that raised your hand, as we dismiss, I would love for you to come up here. I'd like to meet you. I have a gift for you. Uh, I would love to pray with you. Uh, anyone else that has prayer for anything else will be up here to pray with you. If not, God bless you. Be safe. Y'all have a wonderful evening.